Hello, everybody. My name's MJ, and you're listening to the one and only MTG in Quarantine podcast. As usual, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. Also, I'd like to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout-out and thank you to the awesome people who've supported me over at patreon.com slash Quarantine. So, thank you to the following people for being awesome. Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Neil Royal, Nick S., Infamous Fridge, and Frugal Brutal for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash Quarantine for more information. The topic of today's episode are the four or five things that I learned from my first games over of CEDH over on the Moderately Anonymous channel last night, the 8th of December 2021, in which I, for the first time, played official CEDH with a homebrew deck that I'm proud to try to continue working on going forward and try to improve to turn into a more efficient, effective deck in the meta. And again, for those of you who haven't been following along, I have been thinking about trying out CEDH for quite a few months now, but I never really quite had the the chance to really flesh out those thoughts until the last couple of weeks where I decided that if I was not going to build a deck, or that if I hadn't built a deck already, I probably wasn't going to. So using that emphasis, I decided to build a deck, and I was able to pilot it for the first time last night. And in the process, I was able to learn the following four things, or maybe five if you're counting, but eh, I'm not counting anyway. So the first thing that I learned about playing CDH and that's really awesome about CDH is the fact that playing with powerful cards is really fun. Um, again, I know I ta- spent a lot of time talking on this channel about how you can find fun in however you would like to. I usually find it in playing janky niche commons and uncommons that are worth like 10 cents a piece. But what's really nice about CEDH is you don't have to really worry about monetary restrictions. The deck that I have built, if you put it in paper, according to TCG Player, would be would cost you about $6,300 to put together, versus my normal decks end up somewhere between $50 to $150 total. So you can definitely see a huge difference there. But what's really nice about CEDH is the fact that I just feel so powerful cracking fetch lands that I don't obviously own in paper, uh, playing all sorts of tutors, playing creatures that cost $40 a piece, and just being able to slam those down on the table is, is part of the game. That's a really awesome feeling. I Yes, I have mentioned my copy of Demonic Tutor a few times on the show, kind of as the, the butt of a joke, I suppose, in my super uber uber budget deck. But being able to utilize a Demonic Tutor in this game to then be able to pull out something potentially worth hundreds of dollars, let's say a Mox Diamond, a Mana Crypt, Jewel Lotus, something like that, well, all of a sudden that's very different than how I play my my typical casual decks, uh, where I'm trying to pull out something that's maybe two bucks or less in, in monetary value. So the ability to be able to play with some of the most powerful cards in the game is really amazing. I honestly will always treasure the first time I got to crack a fetch land. That was never something I've really gotten to do as a casual player, and the ability to be able to crack a fetch land and turn it into an OG dual land, in this case a scrublands for my own homebrew CEDH deck, is really, really amazing, and I highly recommend that you give it a try if you haven't already. Second thing that I really learned about CEDH, I mean, I, I knew already, but the thing I really enjoy about it is the fact that rule zero is basically implied when you go to CEDH community and games. 
Uh, again, I've spent a lot of time on the channel talking about how rule zero can be kind of difficult sometimes in more casual pods, because again, everyone's understanding of the game can be very different. Everyone's expectations and yeah, everyone, everyone's expectations of a game could be very different. And what's nice about CEDH is the fact that rule zero is effectively implied in a lot more of a way than it is in a typical casual game. Whereas you're going to expect that everyone else is going to be giving you their best shot as well as you giving them your best shot. So you're going to be running extremely effective mana bases. You're going to be running very tight combo lines, etc., etc. And the, the fact is that you're, you kind of know what you're getting into before you get into versus in some cases in more casual games where there could be serious mismatches. Now, is that to say that every CEDH deck is made equal? No. But uh, again, I think the idea is that the expectations are there. And that was and, th and that's kind of been a nice refresher for me after playing in, instead of playing some casual games where sometimes maybe the expectations don't quite get set up from the outset and you may and, and, and potentially leads to some feel bads once in a while. What's nice about CEDH is the fact that as long as you really know what you're getting yourself into, rule zero basically applies as soon as you sit down to the table. And that was definitely kind of a nice little departure for me from, from more casual games. It's definitely something that uh, will get me con to continue playing CEDH here in the future. The third thing I learned, and again, I knew this before, but the third thing that really got interesting from last night's games with uh, the amazing Dan from Moderately Anonymous, Skylar, a.k.a. Moloch, over on Twitter, and Andy Flory from the Guardian Project podcast. I'm so sorry not to have called all three of them out first. Y'all are amazing. Don't change. Um, anyway, is that stacks and hate bears are really good in the CDH meta. Um, I'm not going to lie. My own personal deck uh, does run some some stacks light. I, I guess stacks light pieces. There are some heavier stacks pieces in there. I didn't get a chance to play them last night, but that's kind of irrelevant. The point is, we had, I ran a Demonic Tutor into an Avon Mind Sensor on, what, turn three, I believe. I'm, I'm still shaking my fist at you, Dan, for, for doing that to me. <laughs> no, it, it, just kidding. It was great. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that we had in the, our first game of that two-game pod that we did there, uh, that we had, basically all of us, all four of us had some sort of stacks piece on the board that was stopping someone else from doing something, was was pretty funky. We had a Avon Mind Sensor playing into a Stranglehold, playing into Andy's opposition agent, which stopped us all from tutoring. It was it was honestly great. And and even I had a old the older version of Thalia out there to cause cause all non-creature spells to cost one more, which unfortunately I think ended up costing me more than anyone else. But again, that's kind of irrelevant. Point is is that stacks and hate bears, well, again, I have we have talked about this on my podcast before, especially in regards to how Mono White looks at stacks. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more about that episode about how Mono White utilizes stacks. I did a great episode with friends of the channel, Coach J. Rowe, Mono White Boar, a.k.a. Peter, and Charles the Mono White Guy in our episode, The Planeswalkers, from a month or two back, if you're interested in hearing more about the history of stacks and how White kind of plays into that. But anyway, yeah, in, in CDH, just the, the set number of stacks pieces and hate bears and the fact that you don't necessarily have the same kind of hatred or misunderstanding towards those cards, I should say, not hatred, uh, towards those kinds of cards in more casual formats, you don't really have that in CDH. You are trying to utilize whatever tools are available to you to try to be able to position yourself to win the game. And these stacks pieces are just really solid, helping you hopefully advance your game plan to a point where you can win the game. So it's basically implied in there. And this goes back to point two here, is that, again, stacks is very readily acceptable in the CDH community. 
because again, it does help you try to win the game. And, and that, that, that's what makes the hate bearers especially so, so powerful is the fact that they can not only slow down your opponents, but hopefully you can try to play around them as, as well. And the fourth thing that I learned from playing my first CEDH games is that you can basically play, at least to an extent, whatever you want. Again, my personal homebrew deck is a little bit out of left field as far as the some of the concepts behind it, but it does run a lot of CDH staples. It runs a lot of very well-known combo lines that are known in the meta. I do run Razaket the Foul-Blooded. I do run Le- was it Leonin Relic Warder, I think. Um, I, I do have the Bomberman package sitting in the sideboard if I want to put that in there. I do have a, a couple of other things that are obviously very well-known CDH meta, but again... The fact that I'm deciding to run a slightly off-the-wall commander who doesn't necessarily fit in with the quote-unquote CDH meta, but does provide some interesting value, basically does describe how I look at CDH. And again, I know I keep forgetting to mention who my commander is, so I have been really interested in trying to build my own CDH deck for the last couple weeks, and I came across a copy of Alenda the Duskrose, the vampire from, yeah, the legendary vampire from Rivals of Ixalan, who basically gets larger every time a creature dies, and then when she dies, gives you a whole bunch of tokens based equal to her power. And I looked at her as kind of a like a tertiary win condition in a way, who also can gain me a lot of life. Obviously, maybe not the best commander in this sort of meta, but again, I'm just getting started as a, as a jank brewer in CDH, and I really like the potential that Alenda gives me on the back end of games should some of my combos go wrong or should something else happen is the fact I can still have a giant beater to be able to attack with if absolutely necessary, who can give me a whole bunch of tokens to pressure the board if and when she dies. So I just really like the ability to, you know, try to take a chance on a commander who may be underrepresented in the meta and just, you know, try to play around with some of that. There are a few pieces in the deck that you probably wouldn't normally see in a standard CEDH deck, but which I feel definitely have some potential. Uh, one of the cards I'm talking about is one of my favorites in the deck. It's actually Portable Hole. It's an enchantment that costs a single white out of Ventures in the Forgotten Realms, and it reads, you may exile, or is it, when it enters Battlefield, you may exile a non-land permanent that a target opponent controls, and it remove, it exiles that from the game and only returns when Portable Hole is removed. And in CDH, where there's a lot of really good non-land permanents of CMC 2 or less, the fact that you can exile one of those until Portable Hole leaves the battlefield I think is really, really powerful. It gets rid of something pesky like Mystic Remora or a Mana Crypt. It just it, uh, There's a whole lot of things that that portable hole can get rid of, and it's just really funny to say I have a portable hole in my deck. <laughs> Let's be honest here. So, yes, point four here is that you can basically play whatever you want. Obviously, it helps to be competitive, to run a lot of well-known lines, run a lot of well-known commanders, etc., etc. But what I'm really trying to get at here is don't be afraid to try something new. I, I never really quite found a deck in CDH meta that really called out to me saying, hey, you should really play this. Yes, I do have Silvala Twiddlestorm off the CDH deck database printed out, and I can play that if I want. But something about uh, the homebrew aspect of what I put together with Alenda really strikes me as being an opportunity to try to take a, 
kind of an aristocrats theme that I'm very familiar with from casual and try to be able to bring that to more of a CDH environment, utilizing a lot of those well-known combos to try to take advantage of those aristocrats pieces. Obviously, I'm not very well versed in a lot of combos, and I, I'm definitely getting just, just getting started at CDH here. But the fact that I was able to pour it over some things that I do know about aristocrats especially, and what Alenda allows me to do, which is pressure the board utilizing combat, uh, are, are definitely a few things that I feel I'm able to bring to that deck that are a little bit different from what the meta typically looks for. And it's really what my calling card is, is a jank brewer, and somebody just tries to build something a little bit out of the ordinary. And really, if you're counting, if you've been keeping score here, I'm technically going to point number five here. I know I said maybe four at the beginning of the show, but again, I'm, I guess I'm going to go five here. And the fifth part is, if you're interested in trying out CDH for yourself, uh, again, it's really good to try to be able to find a good supportive play group. Again, I had some amazing people to play with last night. Again, shout out to Dan from Moderately Anonymous, Skylar, aka Moloch over on Twitter, and Andy from the Guardian Project podcast. And again, they were really great allowing me to be able to play my Alenda deck, kind of give me some chances to really just see how my deck worked, but also just have some really chill games. And it really helps to be able to have people out there who really understand and want to help. Again, this is something you won't necessarily always get in an LGS setting, which is unfortunate. But again, if you have the ability, definitely make sure to try to find a supportive playgroup if you're interested in getting to CDH for the first time, because there's a lot of great people out there who are willing to help. I got some amazing help working on my own Alenda list from a lot of great people. Again, I want to give a shout out, another huge shout out to... Dan from Moderately Anonymous, Scoots, Scoop Phase, Mr. Fitzy Fitz, and the Gemstone Mind Podcast for helping me out with, with, you know, getting some ideas for what would be probably a little bit better than my original list. My original list was kind of a high-powered casual list, which is, which is cool, but it wasn't necessarily what I was looking for. And a lot of people were able to take a look at the deck list and give me some ideas for how to try to be able to buff the optimization up so that it would be able to hang at more CDH tables. So I am really indebted to all their work for and suggestions, and the Alenda deck that I have right now that I took into battle for the first time definitely looks nothing like the original version, and, that, and, that, and that's a good thing. I do have a more high-powered casual version of this exact deck in paper as well, so I kind of have two different versions of Alenda, I suppose, but the fact uh, the fact of the matter is that you really need to have a supportive playgroup to make this work. And hopefully if you're sitting out there at home and you're not really quite sure, it's like you, you maybe you want to start playing CDH, but you don't know how, definitely reach out to a lot of people in the CDH community online if you can. There's a lot of great people out there who really want to help you, help you make, make you a better player, but also give you some interesting suggestions on how to uh, improve your skills and also kind of some things to look for when you're first trying to get into the meta. I know that having a supportive community out there is really what got me in interested in playing CDH in the first place. People were really cool with me trying to come into the into the format with a bit of an out of left field commander. And again, they just gave me a lot of ways that would hopefully set me up for having a successful deck. Obviously, my first two games didn't necessarily go as planned, but 
uh, you know, that, that happens. I'm, I'm still learning. These are my first two games of CDH. My opening hands probably weren't as good as they should have been that I kept, but you know, these are things that I, I, I need to learn. And I want to continue getting better at. This is something that, I mean, me learning EDH, if, if you talked to me two years ago about this, I would have said, well, you know, I, I'm still learning how all this stuff works out two years later. Now where I am here, it's you, you know what you're doing in casual EDH. It's now trying to find out how do you try to bring that competitive edge there? How do you know, how do you know exactly which seven cards to keep if you can in an opening hand? And and that's really the challenge that I'm trying to figure out right now. But you know, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm really excited about wading into the world of CDH with my Alenda homebrew. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I, again, this has been an amazing episode. I am really looking forward to playing some more CDH in the future. And if you're interested in reaching out to some of the people who I've mentioned in this episode, you can just shoot me a message over on Twitter at, at MTG in quarantine, and I'll try to get you in touch with them if at all possible. You can also email me at mtginquarantine at gmail.com, and I'll try to be able to do the same thing for you. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. You can find me on Twitter at at MTG in Quarantine. You can also find the entire back catalog of this podcast on the usual podcast outlets. That is Google, Spotify, Apple, PlayerCast, PlayerFM, MTGCast, RocketCast, etc., etc., etc. A whole lot of different places. So if you find the happy-looking Ulamog, you found the right podcast. I'd also like to utilize this opportunity again to give a huge shout out and thank you to the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash quarantine. So another huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Neo Royal, Nick S, Infamous Fridge, and Frugal Brutal for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. And I hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.